When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. The government has announced proposals to replace the Human Rights Act in the UK with a new Bill of Rights. The Ministry of Justice said it will give freedom of speech and the views of elected lawmakers greater weight in law. It would mean it could override Europe's Human Rights Court and comes just days after a deportation flight of asylum seekers from Britain to Rwanda was blocked by a judge in Strasbourg. The proposal has been described as a blatant power grab by campaign groups, but the Justice Secretary Dominic Raab claims the new Bill of Rights will strengthen the UK tradition of freedom of speech and better protect the public from dangerous criminals. Our Bill of Rights will strengthen our proud tradition of freedom It will demarcate a clearer separation of powers. It will ensure greater respect for our democratic institutions and it will better protect the public and restore a healthy dose of common sense to the justice system, which is essential for commanding public confidence. So what would this new bill actually mean for our human rights? And should we be concerned about changes to the law around them? Martin Bentham is the Evening Standard's Home Affairs Editor. So, Martin, can you describe exactly what the government is proposing? Yeah, what the government wants to do is is to ensure that the British courts and the will of Parliament prevail and can't be overruled, in effect, by the European Court of Human Rights. Now, the situation at the moment is that the European Court of Human Rights can issue judgments in cases, and in most cases, our courts are meant to take account. They're not compelled to absolutely follow everything, unlike the European Court of Justice, which is part of the European Union. The European Court of Human Rights is not part of the European Union. Our courts are meant to take account of their of their rulings. But clearly the feeling in government is that we need to do something in this country to strengthen the weight that is given to the decisions of Parliament and the decisions of our courts when cases are considered by the European Court. And so the European Court of Human Rights already takes note of what the the government's policies are and what's been passed through Parliament. If you speak to people in the European Court of Human Rights, they will point out that quite often that cause upholds the decisions of our government. Of course, there are certain times when it doesn't <laughs> and, and challenges it, as we saw last week with Rwanda in a slightly different context, which is what produces the backlash in some quarters, at least, and certainly from the government. And it does seem to be that these proposals have been prompted by the government wanting to push through the Rwanda deportation plans, doesn't it? 
Well, I, I don't actually agree with that because it's been a policy of the government to do this uh, in the manifesto. It's been a policy, long-standing issue for people in the Conservative Party in particular to say that the Human Rights Act, which basically enacts in this country the provisions of the ECHR, brings it into the domestic courts more fully, has gone too far and has been subject to what they would describe as elastic interpretations of the law, judge-made law, for example, the right to privacy. And, and you know, Because clearly, when you have an abstract principle, such as the right to privacy, there is a, a greater degree of, of margin to the courts as to determine what that means, unless they're given very clear guidance by the government as to what the right to, to privacy, for example, to right to a private life should entail. And so what this is intended to do is to try to define that more closely in respect of rights privacy, but also in respect of other rights in the convention to define some of those more closely to ensure that what the government would see as excessive interpretations of different human rights are not applied and that they restore what the government would would argue was a, a more common sense balance between the rights of some people and the rights of others because of course it always with rights there's usually a balance between them it's not a one track equation it's um somebody's right against somebody else's right the right to private life would be an example of that for example because sometimes the right to private life can impinge on somebody else's right to freedom of expression for example in terms of media reporting of things and obviously the human rights act has been around for a while now how significant a change would this be to swap the act out for this new bill of rights well, the Human Rights Act was a, a pioneering bit of legislation because what previously happened was that people could go to the European Court of Human Rights, but it was a much more protracted process, obviously much harder to do so. When the Human Rights Act came in, it did mean that lots more of these claims could be dealt with by our courts directly and you know, shortened the process and made it more accessible to people. Now, the government would argue that the new Bill of Rights isn't going to prevent that and, and that you know, the idea that it's abolishing all rights and that it's somehow taking us back to some sort of medieval dark age is a, a fallacy. And I think that's right, actually. I think partly because there are provisions of the common law and, and elsewhere that safeguard rights in any event. So the test obviously will be in exactly what the legislation says. And then critically, again, as with all bits of legislation, how the courts <laughs> interpret and deal with this. I don't think it's the end of of, uh, of all rights. And I certainly think in respect to the European Court of Human Rights, I do think actually that it's right that our courts, that personally, that the Supreme Court and that the, court, you know, the High Court, the Court of Appeal, the Supreme Court should prevail ultimately because their view should prevail. They are not weak courts. They often rule against the government. They often fight against the government. And the idea that somehow or other we need an external safeguard, I think, on a personal level, although many dis- would disagree with this, of course, that we have adequate safeguards as, as they stand and that it's sort of contrary to sovereignty and, and to democratic principles to have external influence on our decision making when I do think there is uh, proper scrutiny applied. And of course, whenever human rights are mentioned, people understandably raise concerns about their rights being changed. Do you think some of the concerns raised are justified? Some of the campaigners from different groups have said the Human Rights Act has been very useful in helping the John Warboys case for the victims of John Warboys, the black cab rapist, for example. Their lawyers will say, understandably and correctly, I think, that they use the Human Rights Act, for example, to achieve justice for those women in the sense of stopping his release and so on. And similarly, you've heard the same arguments made about the Hillsborough disaster, the Windrush scandal and so on. And clearly there are many cases at a much lower level, much less high profile level of, of things like children in, in care, for example, where the Human Rights Act is used to, to assist 
their welfare and to improve their lives. And I think clearly public debate can sometimes get skewed by some of these more contentious issues, such as, I say, foreign national offenders who've done some hideous things using the right to family life to stay in the country. So I do think that obviously clearly some of the critics of what the government is doing have understandable concerns at the very least. I think in terms of whether those risks that they cite are validated remains to be seen because clearly what the government isn't doing is scrapping the whole thing altogether. They're creating a different bill rather than what some people would have argued for and have argued for in the past that the the entire Human Rights Act should be scrapped and that we should pull out of the European Convention and the European Court of Human Rights. The pulling out of the, the ECHR, the government has explicitly ruled out for all sorts of reasons. So I think yeah, the government would certainly say that it's not it's not abolishing people's rights and it's just trying to restore a balance and the way that those rights are enacted through the court system. That remains to be seen. I think some of the alarmist comment about it is probably too far. But on the other hand, it's not to say that close scrutiny of what actually happens, what the legislation says and does, and how it then plays out into into reality, that will continue to be needed. Let's take a break now. Stay there, though. In part two, we'll hear from Steve Valdez-Simmons from Amnesty International on his opinions of the proposed bill. This idea of a bill of rights from everything that ministers have ever said about it is quite clearly not about giving us rights. It's about taking rights away. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Steve Valdez-Simmons from Amnesty International joins me now. So, Steve, first of all, what do you make of this proposal from the government? Well, I I think it's a, a bit of a sleight of hand, really. We have very important set of human rights, which we've had ever since this country became a member and a founding member of that of the European Convention on Human Rights. And then we took an important step Um, only a couple of decades ago, to make that very real and effective in our own domestic law by passing the Human Rights Act. And this idea of a Bill of Rights from everything that ministers have ever said about it is quite clearly not about giving us rights. It's about taking rights away. It's about stripping out as much as they think they can get away with of the human rights that we already have in our own domestic law. And what changes has the government proposed in this bill that you're concerned about specifically? Well, as you know, John, 
My particular focus in my work is refugee and migrant rights. And it will be no surprise to your listeners to reflect that so often the people who are at the front of attacks on their human rights are those who have least power and are least able to defend themselves, often defend themselves against being singled out, including by government, as scapegoats for government policy. And refugees and migrants, for that matter, are frequently the targets for those abuses. And we see that right now. The last time that we spoke, we discussed the Rwanda expulsion policy that has been so much in the news over recent days, where it's intended by our government to simply expel people who have legitimately claimed asylum on our shores, thousands of miles away to a place they don't know, where their rights are not going to be respected and where our government can simply wash its hands of its obligations to them. And that seems to be the attitude of pretty much anyone whom this government doesn't like, and particularly the attitude towards anyone whom its immigration powers, and it has awesome immigration powers, to expel, even exile people who've been born here to places they do not know. And it's quite clear that what's intended with this Bill of Rights, amongst other things, is to make it far easier for government to simply expel, exclude and exile people, including British people, from their own country and from their homes and their families. And this proposal is being announced only a short time after that Rwanda deportation flight was blocked. Are you surprised that the government is being so upfront about using this new Bill of Rights to push forward with those plans to take asylum seekers to Africa? I'm not surprised at the proximity of the two things at all, actually. Shamefully, I think what ministers repeatedly do, they're not the first to do this, but they are perhaps the most extreme at it is they use the excitement, sometimes even the hate that they're able to whip up about immigration policy and immigration powers and migrants, people seeking asylum, refugees, anyone who can be treated as in some way or presented as in some way other, not one of us. They whip that up to advance this particular agenda. It was no surprise, for example, that moments after we had the court ruling in the European Court of Human Rights suspending the deportation flight to Rwanda, that ministers immediately set out their intention for another human rights abusive plan of simply electronically tagging people seeking asylum knowing full well, I'm sure, that that too would bound to end up in the courts, would have to be challenged on human rights grounds, and so would be more meat and drink to their a general assault, quite frankly, on our human rights laws and the human rights that we possess. Are there any other things that you're concerned about more generally in terms of coming away from the long-established Human Rights Act? At the heart of this, frankly, is something even bigger than the Human Rights Act itself. It is about whether our government, those who effectively have power over us, 
albeit power that is supposed to be delegated through law, through our constitutional workings to them, to basically respect and serve and assist and help us, that those with power are not concerned with their responsibilities and they're not concerned with abiding by law and respecting law, let alone the rulings of courts, something that, of course, they frequently demand of us, but rather are concerned with doing anything and everything to acquire more power over us, acquire less oversight and constraint on their exercise of that power, and just holding on to it at whatever the cost. And this is just a very extreme example of government simply, to be pretty crudely, sticking two fingers up to the idea that they too, and in fact, more importantly, they, government, are obliged to respect law, respect our legal rights, uphold them, promote them, enable them, rather than this. That's all from The Leader. There's more news on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.